0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The Super Bowl, it is only days away. And if you're looking for a place to bet on any of the other sports going on, BetOnline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And don't forget, there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the pod today. I have a very special guest. This one's near and dear to my heart. I have listened to him on the radio in my youth. I have watched him on TV in my 20s, and now he's got a brand new (laughs) podcast coming out right now that I'm so excited to talk to him about. He's been on 670 The Score. He's been on WBBM. His name is George Offman. George, welcome. Thank you so much for joining the pod. How are you today?
1: Joey, I'm great. It's always interesting to hear somebody say, I remember him and my youth, uh, your youth is a little different than somebody else's youth. This is a good thing to
0: hear. Yeah, my youth is, is, is your prime and your prime is very long, my friend. And I'm hoping that we can yeah. dive into that a little bit today. I think the listeners would just love to hear if you could take us back, take us all the way back to your days, you know, at Southern Illinois. You know, what inspired you? Was there a moment that got you into journalism specifically and just kind of walk us through a little bit of your journey of your career?
1: What got me into this was I was You know, I grew up with a guy named Jack Brickhouse. He was the voice of the Cubs, but also the voice of the White Sox. He was the voice of the Bulls. He was the voice of the Sting. He was the voice of the Bears. He was the voice of everything because that's what it was. Well, you know, I'm eight and a half. And in in the summer, I, I lived across the street from where I went to grammar school. And in the summer, we'd have a whole bunch of kids that would come and play rubber baseball. Well, I played, but I also was the announcer. I was Jack Brickhouse. And I would play and I would announce the game from there. I would also be the crowd and I would also interview everybody after the game. So I knew pretty much a long time ago, and I do mean a long time ago, we're getting close to 60 years now, what I wanted to do for a living. And as time went on, I eventually wound up at SIU. I went down there when I was 19 And became the sports director within like two quarters. So I was professional in 1974. And from there, it was a love affair. It's like I walked into a newsroom and I said, this is it. So I'm lucky that I knew what I wanted to do a long, long time ago, and I'm still doing it.
0: I'm just imagining a young George Offman talking to one of his friends after the game, and he said, "You know, I mean, Steve, after the dog ate the ball and ran away with the game, (laughs) did you think you were going to get back out there?"
1: (laughs) No, we, we, it was all. Listen, it was all pretend. Yes, that's what it was. But pretend sometimes portends into what you're going to wind up doing for a living. You don't know it then, but you get the sense that you're falling in love with with the people that are doing the games. And so back then, other than, you know, Jack Brickhouse, there was uh, Lloyd Pettit, who was the announcer of the Blackhawks, another fabulous announcer. And, you know, Pat Foley, Pat's been around now for 41 years. So there was a little gap between Lloyd Pettit and then eventually Pat Foley. But those voices became my voice. And there was another inspiration, and, and somebody who I'm trying to get as a guest, it's a little tough, and that's Brent Musberger. So, as, as a teen, Brent was a writer for the Chicago American newspaper, and he was one of the first sports anchors at WBBM News Radio, which began in 1968. So, this is before Brent in 1970 went off to the network. And, you know, became the NFL today. And for people who don't know, the NFL today began with Brent Musburger. Well, he was spectacular. And all of those things spurred me on to do what I do for a living now. Matter of fact, in 1975, I interviewed Brent Musburger for a term paper. So you kind of got, a, got an idea of what I wanted to do. So. But, but there's always inspirations for everyone. And they were mine to get into the business that I'm in now.
0: And these are some just incredible, iconic, legendary voices that you're talking about. And then your voice yourself, you know, turned into this award-winning career. And, you know, starting from the early 90s on 670, the score, you know, I'm listening to your voice during what's a fantastic, exciting, incredible time in Chicago sports. If you could kind of take us back to that time in, in 92, a lot going on. Cubs in 89, Bears are getting rid of Dicka. It's kind of ushering in a new era, but it's the era of Jordan. You know, can you just talk a little bit about that time and what was it like to just be in the middle of the arena of Chicago sports during that early 90s period?
1: Well, it was really something. It was starting to grow. The Bears really were the first team, and it was 35 years ago yesterday, um, when they had won the Super Bowl. And, you know, who was making the playoffs in Chicago? Not many, but... The Cubs were there in 84, the Sox in 83, the Bears win in 85, and there's the little gap, and then you get Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And in 92, when I first began at the score, I traveled to Pittsburgh where the Blackhawks were playing the in Cup. the Stanley Cup. Meanwhile, the Bulls were playing for their first championship. And so, you know, you're 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 in the Chicago Stadium one night watching the Bulls in the championship game and the next night you're watching the Blackhawks. And so that was really spectacular. Uh, I'm very lucky to have been there for the Jordan era, you know, to sit courtside and to watch this magnificent athlete do what he did and then to, you know, push and shove and find my way in front of the interviews because I'm a little. So I was smart. I knew how to weave and, you know, make these little moves to get in there, you know, for the first wave with, with Michael, who was always a wonderful interview. I mean, that's a time that you will, well, you, you'll never see again, I don't think, though a little later on, we got the Blackhawks winning three Stanley Cups, and that was a little, a little after that. So that period of time was wonderful. And I was a freelance reporter, uh, well, combination at that point. freelance reporter and working for the score so i'm making money on the side and i got michael jordan you know filling my pocketbook and i really like that part too
0: what an incredible moment uh in chicago sports history during that time and that was you know that's that was my youth and i like to tell my friends all the time that i was spoiled as a chicago uh sports fan especially in basketball because once he went away and you start to look at what the other teams did and how they operated and what the level of basketball was you're like well wait a second the guy doesn't hit the shot in the last few seconds every single time. You know, he doesn't get upset at being uh, slighted in whatever way. He scores 35 points the next night. That doesn't seem to make any sense. I had to really, really calibrate how I watched the game of basketball moving forward. You had a front row seat for all of that. Is there a particular moment where just mentally in your head, you either had the epiphany or you had the moment of like this guy, is on a different level than what we've ever seen a guy that, you know, even if you did think that he had a certain greatness about him, was there a moment where you're like, wow, this is a level that I didn't even expect myself.
1: Well, that was early on. I think that that was probably in the first couple of years, you could just see that this was a very different athlete. It wasn't the kid from North Carolina. He was good. He was really good. And the Bulls got very lucky that, uh, well let's see Houston took Elijah it was Portland that took Sam Bowie and made that terrible mistake but a couple of years in you could see that and then when they added Scotty Pippen and the coaching staff that they had that's when Jordan really uh enveloped you know the triangle offense and really became a spectacular performer but just to see him every night he made moves that you'd never seen before You didn't see athletes doing what he did. So you were very lucky and you were very spoiled to watch not just a great athlete, but a guy who integrated himself to be part of a great team. And of course, I think anybody who watched The Last Dance could understand he was in charge. You know, Phil Jackson was the coach, but Michael was in charge. He was in charge of the other players, basically saying, if you don't practice the way I want you to, I'm going to get really mad. In a couple of cases, he got really mad with his fist. But, I mean, but and he was also, you know, wonderful to deal with. And that's the other aspect of it is to to see a guy who is so applicable to the media. Uh, and, And then, of course, in midstream and all of that, he leaves to go play baseball, which was extraordinary in itself. And my guess is if he stuck with it, he would have been okay. He might have made the major leagues. But I think everybody knew he was, this was a tiny period. He just wanted to test things out, get away from everything, come back. And of course he wins three more championships.
0: And he got pretty far too, as well. I'm in agreement with you. Who knows how far he would have possibly gotten. And who knows if he had gotten in the major leagues, what he would have been able to do. I do want to just uh, pivot back a little bit to a point that you just made. That was so interesting. And, and, and you can help illustrate it a little bit. Michael Jordan was the biggest not just athlete, but the biggest perhaps human figure on the planet earth during that particular time. He was so perfect with the media every single day. He was so smooth and accommodating. I don't know if generous is the right word, but I think that he had a way that he carried himself every single day where, look, you know, I have a bad day. Anyone has a bad day. You sometimes hear people fly off the handle, these athletes after games because the heat of the moment or just a bad moment but Mike never just seemed to have that issue is that something that we'll ever see again you know Tom Brady does it a little bit but even still that personability and that access that he gave on a day-to-day basis always answering the questions you know never got tired of the same question over and over again it's an underrated quality of Michael Jordan I think during that time of how um, he was able to deal with the media that way
1: yeah, there'd be three waves of reporters coming in that he would hear the same question. Yes, he was really generous with his time to do that. Things have changed in the way um, management and teams trot out players now. You know, in the case of the Blackhawks, they'll only trot out a couple of players. This was before the pandemic. But Patrick Kane is very accessible to the point of when they make him accessible. When he's there... He's very good to talk to. I mean, he's 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 really good. And Jonathan Taves, albeit long-winded, they get it. They understand who they are and what they represent. You know, in a Stanley Cup championship caliber team, you know, Michael's in a class by himself. You know, LeBron is in a class by himself. Uh, and, and he's pretty generous, I'm sure, with the media everywhere he goes. You know, it's that's why it's always very hard to compare. You know, people here will say Michael is the GOAT and I get it. But I also get it. People say that LeBron is a GOAT, too. He's only been to 10 straight finals. That's 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 extraordinary in itself, even though he hasn't won as many as Michael. But you never know. He might wind up with six because who knows when he's going to stop winning. Same thing with Tom Brady. So, yeah, you get very lucky when run into an athlete like Jordan, you get really lucky when you run into a personality like Asi Gian, who's, you know, the most unique personality all of us have run into. You know, if I can only use the language he used. Anyhow, uh, I mean, that was a joy too. It was a lot of fun to be around that. But yeah, the Jordan era, it's a once in a lifetime. I'm lucky that I was part of that lifetime.
0: And also, to your point, we're lucky that we have the LeBron era, too, as well, because I, I typically I enjoy watching greatness, even when it's not on my sure. team. I can root against LeBron all I want in those D-Rose days. But at the end of the day, and then he was making those final game winning shots. You know, the shoe was on the other foot and I had to, you know, I had to take it and understand and have that perspective and recognize that greatness for the LeBron haters out there. Like, what do they want? 15 finals in a row? Like, what what's it going to do for you? Or the question begs. It's not going to do anything for you. Those people are just going to feel that certain way without actually looking at the real, you know, the real facts that are laid out on the table there.
1: I think the difference is that he played for more than one team and the way he left, a, you know, Cleveland for Miami, where, you know, you got Kobe Bryant, who played on five championship teams with the, with the Lakers um, and an iconic figure himself. I'm thinking back to the 80s and lucky enough, to watch a lot of Wayne Gretzky, uh, you know, who wound up on the West coast and, and watching, you know, a superstar here named Dennis Savard, who was a magician, you know, watching him play. But when Gretzky would come to town, which was often enough when they had the playoffs, I mean, that was, there's been nobody like him since. I don't think there'll ever be anybody like him since are or, 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 or coming up. There just isn't a player of that kind of caliber that comes out there. Those are, those are once in a more than generation type of player in the case of LeBron, you not once in a lifetime, but a guy like Wayne Gretzky, that may be once every 100 years to see a talent play like that.
0: Yeah. For the people that didn't get the opportunity, you know, I saw Wayne Gretzky on the Kings, you know, later on. In right. The, but when right. you look up the numbers and they're, they're these, honestly, they're just stupid numbers. You know, there are right. things yeah. that are un- unachievable. You know, you look at his assists, uh, per season, you know, they're in the right. 150s, the 160s and you're just asking yourself can anyone ever really touch that again? It was a
1: different game. It was a different game then too. The game was m- much higher scoring. The you pads were the smaller. And the goalie pads the, were smaller. Well, and the neutral zone trap and nothing. I mean, those games were they were talking about the playoff games in the 85 when you know the Hawks lost I think four of those games giving up 8, 10, 11 you know, back then the 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 uh, the Oilers were averaging something like five and a half goals a game. Today, the best team averages three. So that's another era. But my guess is in this era, Wayne Gretzky would probably get 140 points instead of 200.
0: <laughs> yeah. Points. Oh, tough. A tough. A tough pull down. Yeah. In in numbers and production. George, we're going to get to talking about your podcast in just a second. We have to do take a quick break to talk about our other sponsor today. With the new year comes tons of new games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Steaks has the cuts that you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. So visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash day and save up to $25 on combos. Perfect for game day. Plus, you can get free shipping with code BELIEVE B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. You got to try out their snack pack combo of mini beef, Wellington steak, burger, sliders, mac and cheese melts, and shrimp wrapped in bacon. Every order is flash fried, delivered directly to your home satisfaction guaranteed or your money back basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers desserts barbecue and so much more so go to kansas slash game day and use the code believe b-l-e-a-v b-l-e-a-v at checkout for free shipping kansas city steaks big games big taste back on the pod here with george offman we're talking about his brand new podcast with his first guest that just came out this week, Michael Wilbon. The podcast is called Tell Me a Story. I don't know. Love to hear, you know, what was your inspiration for bringing this to the table? I can just only imagine you have a wealth of stories and relationships with some of the best names in sports. And and it just sounds like a really great time to hear a lot of new, interesting information about the sports moments that we know and love.
1: Well, it didn't take long when I was let go by WBB in mid-July. It was two weeks later. I said, you know what? Let me examined the idea of doing a podcast and I immediately had this idea, probably it was already there, about doing these kind of interviews with not only Chicagoans but national renowned sports personalities with connections to Chicago. It was a very slow grind because I had to learn what podcasting was all about and it is not easy. Somebody said, anybody can do a podcast, they can go in their toilet and do a podcast. Well, I'm sorry, I I couldn't do it that way. So I must have talked to more than two dozen people, either podcasters, people who were on platforms, people who ran companies that explained how to do podcasts, salespeople, you name it. And each one, I got another piece of information and an education on how to do this. And then I started to learn, well, wait a second. It's not just about the interviews, it's about getting a logo. It's about making sure that everything is right and then having a support team around you. We so gotta now get you I a have, photo
0: shoot. Gotta get you a photo shoot, George.
1: Well, yeah, no, we didn't do that. We didn't do that, on the, but when on I, the Corvette. I, I wound up I wound up with um TJ Reeves, who's the pre- and post-game host of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's having a nice time these days. Um, and he helped support how we were gonna put this thing out on platforms. But then along the way, I got myself a good editor, young editor who works uh, in India. And I believe he went to Columbia. And then there's another one uh, who, uh, her name is TT Shinken, and she's the illustrator. And she came up with a great concept for a logo. It looks beautiful. So you put them all together, as for the personalities, yes, I've had relationships with all of them. Coming up, obviously, Eddie Olchek is going to be our next one. And I've known Eddie since he you know broke into the National Hockey League in 1984. And when we were interviewing him early on, I turned to somebody. I said, this guy's going to take our jobs. I mean, you knew he was going to be a broadcaster in 1984. Wow. He was, he was a talking machine. Uh, Marv Albert is, is another one who's going to be on in our second season. I, I was doing stats for him in 1979. Bob Costas I was working with in 1980. These are all wonderful people. Uh, Sarah Kustak, who used to work here and now is the first female analyst for an NBA team with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, And upcoming, we have people like uh, Charlie Steiner, the voice of the Dodgers, who I worked for as a freelancer back in 1980, and his crew included Keith Oberman. So, I mean, these are all people that I've had relationships with as both a freelance Kevin Harlan is another one. I mean, I've known Kevin since probably 1980 when he was the pre and post game host for the Kansas City Chiefs at age 21. you you, you establish the relationship, now you wanna do the interview. And tell me a story I don't know is kind of that. It is tell me stories that maybe we haven't heard before. And all I can tell you, Joey, is when you turn on the faucet, the water flows. It just flows. It's like me now telling you about this. And if you start telling me about my career, I could be talking for the next three hours. Well, they don't get three hours. They get about 40 minutes. And there's a lot of editing involved, but it's a lot of fun. And the stories are just fabulous. And Wilbon, who I've known for 35 years, who grew up here on the south side of Chicago, was a perfect opening act. He, he's, a, he's a wonderful human being. He just happens to be a great journalist. And so that's what we're doing. Every week, once a week, 13 week season, we take about a month off, come back with another 13, take a month, come back with another 13. And hopefully it will be successful enough. We've gotten a lot of good publicity here in Chicago because of it Um, and we're off to a good start and hopefully we can build a good enough audience.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited for you. Congratulations. I think it's going to be an incredibly successful endeavor. You already have a fan and subscriber in me personally, so I can't wait to see more of these guests. <laughs> tell these your guests friends. That, yeah, tell your friends.
1: Here's what I've said, Joey. Tell your friends and tell your enemies.
0: Yeah, why not? <laughs> they're all welcome in the tent. They're all they're all welcome. in. As so long as they
1: subscribe. That's all. That's all that counts.
0: Well, and, and I think it's so wonderful. And I just think the name of your podcast is so fantastic because just out of my own personal experience, what I've enjoyed so much is it's one thing to. And of course, you're going to do that and strive to do it because it's part of what people are interested. Try and find the biggest name in the world, Michael Wilbon. But it's more about Michael Wilbon, the person, right? It's about these are about conversations. These are about experiences. And what I end up finding is I end up soaking in so much more knowledge just from learning and talking to people about, you know, where they came from, you know, their journey, where they were at a different particular time. And, uh, you know, I really hope that you know, people are going to be attracted to listening to this podcast, because I think that's exactly what listeners are going to get is those experiences, and maybe a couple of stories that they've never heard along the way too, as well from some of the biggest names in Chicago sports and national sports around.
1: Well, one way you can do that, first of all, is you can follow me on social media. So I want people to know it's George Hoffman, but it's O-F-1-F-M-A-N. So I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. And just look up, tell me a story I don't know. There's Quite a few podcasts. I realize I start with "Tell me a story," but just add "I don't know," and you'll get right there. Subscribe. No matter where you are in the country, you know there may be some people that you that are local here that may not attach much to you. But people like Chuck Swirsky been around for a while and played in markets like Detroit and Toronto. I'm sure it'll be a, a pretty interesting attraction. We're about to talk to Len Casper, who was the voice of the Cubs, and now he's the voice of the White Sox. And he's at a few very, people. He's been in the very headlines. Few people have done that. You know, I, I thought back how many people have actually done that? Well, since uh, Harry, just, has anyone? Jack Brickhouse, right? Harry Carey. And Stony. Milo ha- Milo Stony. Hamilton. Okay. That may be a name that you don't. Know. Milo Hamilton was the voice of the White Sox on radio, and then of course became the television voice of the Cubs. And then Harry. And other than Steve Stone, who of course has done it as an analyst, no. But it's yeah. rare that some somebody in a two-team market is actually able to do both, uh, you know, both teams. And so, you know, he's a fascinating guy, Steve Stone. Uh, we've already interviewed I've interviewed a number of these people already; they're in the can. But we have a combination of national and local. I think even for somebody who may not even be in the market, they may find some of these local people, like Jared Payton whose father happened to be Walter, who we'll be talking to sometime in February, are interesting. They all have interesting stories to tell. I can't wait to talk to Charlie again, Charlie Steiner, uh, and and talk to him and ask him to tell me a story. I don't know what it is like to broadcast the game from his living room. I mean, think about that for a minute. He is doing Major League Baseball from his living room. You can hear the he microwave to go to the off in the
0: background when his dinner's oh, ready. Man, or You know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> I think it's, I'm sure there's a, there's fabulous stories there that they all have. And you know, I just know that when I listen to it back, I keep listening to the whole thing. I'm intrigued. I just hope everybody else will be as well.
0: When you look back on uh, 2020, sports specifically, you know, what do you think we're going to remember the most i mean are we going to remember what happened on the field or you think we're going to focus a little bit more about all the different things that happened off the field from us not having sports for several months at a time to games being rearranged postponed players in players out do you think we're going to look back at the results on the field or just kind of what we went through off the field
1: it depends i think if you're going to be looking at like back to what the nba and nhl did by doing the bubble and how successful that was, that's really going to be a great stamp on what was a terrible year. They were both extremely successful in pulling off their playoffs in a bubble. It worked amazingly. The other part is it reaches athletes, COVID-19 just the way it reaches others. Mm. And right now you could just see, I mean, two members of the Blackhawks can't play for eight days or eight games because they tested positive. So this is the other aspect of it. Plus all the games that have been postponed, there've been so many. DePaul, I think they, they didn't play a game for the first 10, 10 games. Teams had already played 10 games, they didn't play a game. Either they had issues or the other teams had issues. So I think we're gonna look back at that. Is, is there an asterisk for the year? The answer is yes, but the whole year gets it. You know, the whole world gets that. That's just the way it is. Uh, I'm glad that sports is back, uh, albeit with no fans, which is still tough. It is tough to watch a game when there's not many fans, you know, to see some games where there are fans in the building. But Major League Baseball, when it begins, there will be very few cities that will have fans in the stands. It's going to take time. And, and hopefully they'll trickle back I just don't know how it's going to change for the fans. I know it's changing for the media. Uh, Zoom is going to be part of it. It may may limit, it may It be part of the future from here on in. So 2020, I don't know we, if we know the effects of it until years from now.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in agreement with you where we might look back and we'll go, you know, LeBron won the NBA title. The Dodgers hmm. won the World Series. We'll see who wins the Super Bowl. But I think the lasting image is going to be those empty stadiums. And I'm so grateful that sports came back. There was those, well, that two, three month period where we didn't think anything was going to happen. And I was, you know, I was spinning myself in circles trying to figure out, you know, I was putting on my old White Sox 2006 World Series DVDs or something just to try and get through it all. And hopefully, you know, moving forward, we're going to get a little bit closer back to that normalcy that you talked about. In terms of the side of journalism, are you concerned at all that, you know, as media access has already been, further pared down or maybe restricted is also a word that we can use are you further concerned that that's going to continue to kind of hold down that industry in the way that journalists get the word out the information that's coming from the organization and the players that's how fans get that information through journalists are you concerned about that moving forward
1: it it's more about the stories that people can tell and i think mean, newspaper writers are are disappointed that they can't do the one-on-ones right now the question is when they'll be able to do that that will be a concern. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Zoom is Zoom. Being there and talking in person is very much different. There's an interaction, not only with the athlete, but with the other members of the media. And, and it's different than to looking at somebody on, on a Zoom and asking a question and what have you. It's very impersonal. Uh, will that continue? Maybe, maybe to a point it will continue. But it may be a while before we see reporters back in a locker room. I'm not sure that's going to happen this year. Uh, you see, you see, some of the reporters are able to go to games, but that's it. Then they sit up in the press box and and they do the interviews. I'm very lucky that I don't have to do that. You know, that's that's the one positive for me is I've seen enough games. I have been to enough sporting events over the course of 48 years that I do not miss going to the press box. I do watch the games. I watch them watch them nightly, but I am glad that I am not there holding a microphone and saying, "What did you think, buddy?
0: <laughs> Are you going to re-sign with the team at the end of the whole yeah. season?" <laughs>
1: So many of those questions, no, no, no,
0: thanks. Well, yeah, there's the questions that you have to ask and the questions that you want to ask, and then there's that balance right. react that goes in there. Speaking of, we only got a couple more minutes left with George Offman. His podcast is Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. The premiere episode came out this week with Michael Wilbon. He's got tons of great guests coming up. Just want to ask you a couple general Chicago sports because I got you here. A couple of days ago when I thought of it, it seemed to be a little bit more of a reality. Now it's a little bit more murky, but is it possible that next year the NFC North In terms of its quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins is the only returning quarterback. Are we going to see a whole new slate of quarterbacks in the NFC North? Well, I
1: think you're going to see, you're going to see that in the NFL. I mean, this is going to be an extraordinary year where the dominoes are going to go left and right. I just heard somebody, you know, talk about Jared Goff, their general manager. He's going nowhere, by the way. He's owed too much money where he can be dealt, but Yes, you're going to see different quarterbacks. I don't see the Bears having Mitch Trubisky. The Lions, of course, uh, are going to say goodbye to uh, Stafford. I don't know yet if Aaron Rodgers is going to demand a trade. If I was him, I would after what happened in that playoff game. A lot of people think he's played his last game there. I'm not going to go that far yet. But you're going to see this all over the NFL in what is a strange year because you had Drew Brees retired, Phillip Rivers retired. It would not be surprising to me if Ben Roethlisberger retired because he should. So you're talking about all the Hall of Fame quarterbacks are gonna fall by the wayside. And when you look at what's left, there isn't a whole lot left. Will Deshaun Watson be traded? Well, I mean, if he tells Houston, I'm sorry, I'm not coming back, they're gonna be forced to trade him. And I'm sorry, Bears fans, it will not be in Chicago. You don't think Uh, so so. there's new too too much capital or too
0: much, too much capital that would have to go back. Or is that scar tissue you feel like from just the way that it was handled from draft night on?
1: I, I, I don't think he wants to come back here though. It is interesting to know that it was a month ago where suddenly he added to his Twitter account two Chicago weather people. Everybody was going, he wants to come here. They never interviewed him. That's number one. Number and real two, quick, real
0: quick, if he's like following people on Twitter for like Chicago restaurants or maybe our beautiful like tourism, if he's doing the weather, that's that's like showing our weakest link right off the bat. That's not a good way. I to, don't know. I just come. think
1: that was. A, I did just think that was a tease by him and <laughs> nothing else. What's your draft capital? You're going to have to give up at least three first round picks as you go along. Look, the Bears did that once before. They did it with Jay Cutler. And back then, that was a very, very big, bold move. The Bears needed a young, good quarterback. He had an attitude that was a problem. But, you know, if, if if everything was equal and they worked around Jay Cutler and made him a better quarterback, which I think they could have, it might have been a different story. Look, the Bears just spent two first-round draft choices on Khalil Mack. Somebody asked me today, do do you think that the Bears are gonna let him go or trade him? I mean, there's so many questions. The upheaval in the NFL this year will be unlike it's ever been before.
0: It's gonna be very wild. Just my personal opinion in terms of the draft capital. I've been trying to merge fantasy and reality over the last couple of weeks, where the reality is Ryan Pace is coming back. He is our general manager next year, no matter what happens. So if that reality exists, that's not going anywhere. I'm fine trading trading first round draft capital. If you're telling me Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, Kevin White. If those are your first round picks, if those are the types well, of selections that you're Roquan making.
1: No, uh, Roquan Smith is a stud. He was, oh, He was I, hurt, I... but he's a stud. The other one's... Yes. I mean, but, yeah, but that's a crapshoot. It's
0: the 25% conversion rate that probably makes me more amenable to give up that type of capital for the sure thing. If that's the guy pushing the button. I guess. Well,
1: if it's the quarterback now, that's the difference when you've made the huge mistake that you've already made, which sets your franchise back 10 years. I'm not sure if that's the case with the, you know, the Rams were pretty good. You know, they, Super Bowl team with Goff. So I'm not sure that that was a big mistake. With Trubisky, everybody knows it's a big mistake. The question is, can you write that wrong? And where the Bears are right now with their salary cap and draft capital, I don't think that that's quite likely to happen. But that's how important a quarterback is, so much different than any other position in any other game. And they just, they don't have one.
0: Yeah. And I'm in agreement too in terms of their salary cap. It seems like they'd have to make move A, A, B, C just to do big move that you want to do. And that could just be enough to take them out of the mix. My question for you then is with this flooded market of, you know, what we think is going to be upheaval among the quarterback position, does that play in the bears favor or does that play against the bears when they are dead center in that, that situation as well?
1: It just depends on what's available. I mean, the free agent market is brutal, but that's the other problem. There are very few free agent, quarterbacks. I said for one year in a bridge, one year in a bridge. If you can't do anything this year, go out and get Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's 39 years old. He's he'll throw a lot of touchdown passes. He may throw some interceptions as well. But I don't know if they're able to move into the upcoming draft. It's difficult because remember you're giving up the 20th pick. You're going to have to give up more than that to say get uh the kid from North Dakota State who, you know, who could go number seven or eight in the draft. That's going to be very difficult for them to do. It's the position that they have in the draft. You know, who are they going to give a 20th first round pick to? If it was a much higher pick, that would be something else. And so not only is your first round draft capital not great, it's just it's it's too, it's too high. So I, I just I see it's honestly, I'm not sure what they're going to come up with. But knowing the Bears, it won't be somebody that good. knowing the
0: bears, it'll surprise us. It'll make us say, Oh, Uh, wait, what? Uh, My final question for George Hoffman, you've been through it all. You've seen it all. You've been so entrenched. Like you were in the fabric of Chicago sports DNA. So I want to ask you this question because it's a little related to what we're talking about right now. I'm always thinking about this as my favorite barroom conversation of what is perhaps the greatest Chicago sports era in history. Now, unfortunately I can't really pull the sixties and the seventies, these two eras, I've got 89 to 2000 Cubs win the division in 89 and Kerry Woods team in 98 with Sammy Sosa, the Frank Thomas White Sox of the early nineties Hawks go to the cup in 91, as you had mentioned, you know, DePaul basketball, still a big name, I, you know, Joey Meyer still coached mm, at the time yeah. kind of falling off a little bit, but still I grew up revering DePaul basketball You know Northwestern goes to the Rose bowl. Bulls win six titles with Jordan in the nineties, 89 to 2000. Is that the greatest era in Chicago sports history or is it 2005 to 2016? The Illini go to the national championship. I also forgot Loyola goes very far in the, in the tournament. As it's well. That's right. White Sox win the world series in 05 bears go to the Super Bowl in 06 Cubs world series in 16. They go to the playoffs four times in that span bulls and D Rose that era. And then the Blackhawks <laughs> win three cups.
1: That's a really, that's t- a really, that's a very tough question. It's I tough. think, I think the difference here might be the era of 2005 because what you had is three teams winning titles. You know, you had the White Sox who hadn't won in 80 plus years. You had Each the Cup season, had someone
0: different, right?
1: In a thousand years, and you had the Blackhawks who hadn't won in 49 years. So you had three major droughts that ended in that span. I would, pro- even though it's the bulls and they won six titles. And how can you you look past that era? You have an era in which three teams won championships and a fourth made the championship. So all four of them were in championship play. Hasn't ever happened before. So I'm going to take that era of 2005 through 2016, because there are how many five titles and yes, Derek Rose, listen, uh, the Bulls were a heck of a team with Tom Thibodeau and people said they would have never have beaten the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll never know, never know. Derrick Rose got hurt. They could have easily gone out and made another move and been a challenger. It was a short-lived team because of injuries and joking Noah and what have you. But that was a really, really good basketball team, a very good basketball team. So the Bulls were pretty good back then. I, th- I think I missed, it. I think I said four teams there were there were five but unfortunately the bulls never made the championship but they were really good so i would say that that span of time is probably the best
0: yeah even in that last gasp too the bulls were up 2-1 and if lebron doesn't hit that three pointer in the corner they might have no gosh i can visualize and... it now i was still i was still i was dating fresh dating my now wife at the time And she had a hard time wrapping her head around how poorly I took that loss Um, because...
1: It's so funny because I was fresh having a fight with my wife back then. So I just don't have to... Uh,
0: Yeah, well, well, thank you for answering that question because I'm sort of coming to grips with, and I think Chicago sports fans in general are having a hard time maybe realizing that we are just coming off an eleven-year stretch that was perhaps the greatest stretch in Chicago sports history, and, and now Coast, it's,
1: we're in a low, Maybe this and was, now it's nice. a low. And the, the, I'll tell you what: when I first started, it was the lowest of the lows in 1979 and 1980. They were all bad. The Cubs, the Sox, the Bears, the Bulls, and the Throwing beer all bottles bad. on the field
0: at Bears games, right?
1: They were they were really really bad. There were only eight thousand people at the Chicago Stadium for Blackhawks games when there used to be twenty thousand. Um, DePaul was good. They were really good back then. But, you know, Northwestern wasn't very good in anything. That was a bad time. And here we are now. And you have the Bears with the arrow sideways, which is the worst possible place they can be. The Cubs, whose arrow is probably pointing slightly down. The Blackhawks, whose arrow is definitely pointing down. The Bulls' arrow is probably pointing up, but it's going to take a while. And the White Sox' the arrow is pointing straight up because they could be a championship-caliber team. That's one out of five. That's not, not
0: good. good.
1: <laughs> no. And then there's no college basketball, really. I mean, Loyola's okay, but they're never going to be that team. DePaul is not good. Northwestern is not good football team is good and Pat Fitzgerald I'm sure you've seen this story today where he signed an extension now he's going to be here for another 10 years all it takes know? is those head
0: coaching was... rumors those head coaching rumors in the NFL and we got, got ourselves an extension yeah, yeah
1: well yes I mean he was never I don't think he was ever going to leave and this was just a matter of he has the leverage and he's going to make more money but I don't think he ever wanted to leave but the position that he's in man that's a cash cow good for
0: him <laughs> good for him I agree I agree and also good for you, Mr. George Hoffman. The the podcast is called Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I think the easiest way to find it is through Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, listen today. Michael Wilbon is the first guest. Congratulations, I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to listen to all the episodes that are coming up. And thank you so much for joining the pod today. I really appreciate it. I've been listening to you, watching you on you know, Chicago Tribune line for years and years. So this is a pleasure for me. I'm very thankful and grateful. Thank you for joining.
1: You're welcome, Joy. Come back to the Midwest. We, we have snow here, okay? <laughs>
0: Oh, I can't wait to dig myself in and out of my parking space. Yeah. Uh, my favorite my favorite thing I'm to sure do of all do. time. Get the chair, honey. Get the chair. I see a spot. Uh, this was Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag and Kansas City Stakes. Go to kansascitysteaks.com backslash gameday. Use the code BLEAV believe, to get free shipping on some juicy steaks today. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. We're coming back with more great Super Bowl material all week long, all next week as well. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.